When I Open podcast may feature language, mature themes, and violence. This is your trigger warning. Hello, you are listening to When I Open, a true crime podcast where I talk about crimes ranging from urban legends to serial killers and how they are portrayed in the media. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Tate's Guide to the Perfect Crime. Hello, and welcome back, or if you're a new listener, welcome to um, this week's episode of When I Open. I am your host, Tate, and it has been kind of a tough day for technology, so please bear with me. I just recorded half of my episode, not realizing that my mic's, um, that my mic's volume was turned all the way down. So as I was hearing, listening back to it, I could hear absolutely nothing. But now, I have tested it about five times, and we are good. So, uh, welcome to this week's episode of When I Open. Um, if you are new here, I also do every two, every two weeks on Tuesdays, I cover shorter cases that are usually like, I don't know, like 15 to 20 minutes. Sometimes, I think last, last week's was, or this week's was about 30 minutes maybe. Uh, covering cases of conspiracy theories or cases of, in this case, presidential assassinations. Um, and I also do many cases on, like, cults and, you know, things like that. And so, before we get into today's case, I want to address something. So, um, as of right now, it is uh, March 21st, as I am recording this, and the verdict has been in on the George Floyd case. So, um, for more, if you want to know more of, more information about what this is, what is, what, what, what is now going to happen, like, if you want to learn more of what's going to happen with the three guilty verdicts, um, I'm going to put a link in my podcast description about, um, it's sort of, um, a defense, a a lawyer from Minnesota explains what's, explains what is going to happen in his professional opinion. So, if you are interested in that, you can find it in my episode description for this week. And, yeah, thank you to Amanda Jacobson from Line and Crime for uh, putting that link out there because it was extremely helpful. So, today I am also going... Today's... Back to today's case. So, this case, I did not initially think I would be covering this case this week. I thought it would be covering it next month, maybe. But the case that I am going to be covering next week, which will be revealed next week, um, is actually kind of bigger than I thought, and I needed more time to research. Um, and so, uh, today you are kind of getting my... Tate basically took these notes in between school classes. Um, like, these are... Usually I type out my notes, but these are physically handwritten, um... Well, okay, most of them are. Some of them are just taken from the internet that I, I, I do cite my sources in my description as well. So today I'm going to be talking about the uh, tragic murder of Skylar Niece. So if you don't know who Skylar Niece was, you are about to find out because that's, I'm covering her case. And this also talks about how like uh, social media can portray... Um, portray these things you you'll you'll see why later in my notes I go more in depth I'm a little tired today and it's 
the weather's been throwing me off a little bit, if you know what I mean, but yep, let's get into the case. In July 2012, 16-year-old Skylar Janice disappeared from her home. Uh, the night before she got home from her shift at the, her local Wendy's, kissed her parents goodnight, and by the following morning, she was gone. Skylar was described as a thriving, lively socialite, basically just not me, um, and an honors student in her high school. She was an avid reader, can relate to, loyal friend, and, quote, bubbly. Uh, she disappeared. She was also, um, she was very popular and had a strong social media presence. Um, and that will be brought up later. So she disappeared in West Virginia and was later found in Pennsylvania. And if I know my geography correctly, because I probably should, that's pretty far away. That's like another state over. So Skylar's best friends, Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schof, came clean months later and a horrible truth was revealed. So as I said before, Skylar had a lot of friends and she was big into social media. And what they found it strange that she had not been online since she disappeared no bank activity, and her phone wasn't even on. Um, so, the article that I read when they said, like, no bank activity, I was thinking, like, do 16-year-olds really have that many bank activity? Like, did she have her own card? I know this was back in 2012. I mean, I barely remember 2012 as it is, but I don't know many 16-year-olds who have, like, credit card bank access, but might have been a different time so surveillance video i'm assuming this was on the street caught skylar sneaking out of a window a little past midnight on july 6th and she got into a sedan and a friend of hers who my is nameless in the article said that they dropped her back off an hour later but there's also no evidence of the friend dropping her back off and skylar's remains were found on january 16th 2013 so like she disappeared in july and she was found later in um in um on january 16th which was is a little crazy so um Initially, the police thought that it could have been a runaway case, but her parents thought were thought it was unlikely because her contact lessons were in her bedroom. Like, um, her mother said, and quote, everything that a girl would take it take, it was there: toothbrush, hairbrush. She took her cell phone, but not her charger. Um, so time went by, and Skylar failed to appear, and her friends and family started to fear for the worst. Um, and as I said, Skylar's remains were found on January 16, 2013, in a remote rural area in western Pennsylvania, and were identified as Skylar, um, uh, several weeks later. So, Skylar actually would have turned 17 on February 10th, and instead of celebrating it, her family lit candles and held a vigil to honor her memory, which just sounds really, really sad. So, after Skylar's disappearance, the FBI got involved and started to interview her schoolmates. So, they questioned Sheila Eddy, one of her friends who picked up Skylar, and, um, and so, but 
um, something didn't feel right when, um, when the police started looking into the social media from Skylar. Because Skylar's last tweet, and this is just a warning for language, I already have a warning on the beginning of my podcast, and I do feel kind of, I know people who I know who listen to this podcast who have probably never heard me curse in a million years, but I am quoting directly from this. Skylar's last tweet, before she went missing, read, You doing shit like that is why I will never completely trust you. So, what was... What also was very weird is that Skylar was described as, like, a successful, sociable, active teenager. She had a a 4.0 grade point average, a part-time job at a fast food restaurant, and, you know, like, an active social life. So, they thought it was a little strange that she had, you know, tweeted something that was kind of, like, obviously targeting someone. So, something that I thought was, um... Not really that funny, but so uh, she was an excellent student and she loved school. She also loved to read. She said her mother said that she devoured the Twilight books. She was just getting into the classics. She loved Great Expectation. So personally, I'm not a real fan of the Twilight books, but to to each his own, Skylar. To each their own. To each their own. And that she had never missed a day in school. So... When her friends and family learned about her murder, or about her death at the time, they were devastated. Her parents lost their only child, and her father said, and this just makes me feel really sad, and I quote, Our whole world is gone. We live for that girl. We did everything in our world for that girl, and now she's gone. Which just feels, like, really, really sad for especially, like, the father to say. So... On January 3rd, um, 2013, and it doesn't say what, what time when the remains, they just said that it, they were found in, or sorry, her remains were found on January 6th, there's a little bit of inconsistency in this, in this, in, in these notes, but, um, on January 6th, uh, 2013, Rachel Schoof, um, admitted to planning on car- and carrying out the murder with Sheila Eddy, who was also a friend of Skylar's. Um, so, in a secret hearing, the girls, or, um, Rachel confessed that her and, no, yeah, Rachel confessed that her and Sheila committed the murders, um, and Rachel was the one who actually took the police to the remote place in the woods where they had buried Skylar. So, um, so, uh, getting this name mixed up, I'm sorry. Um, so, okay, there we go. Sheila, um, allegedly lured Skylar out of her family's apartment in the middle of the night, and she stabbed her to death at an agreed-upon moment and hid her body under some branches, um, in a Pennsylvania township about 30 miles from her house. So, um, and quote one of, to quote, um, one of the, to quote her, Skylar's father, again, I know there's a lot of quotes in this, um, about how Skylar loved her best friends, and he said, and I quote, and they turn, turn on her and count down three, two, one, and stab her. I mean, what kind of sickness is that? 
And I absolutely agree. So, Rachel pled guilty in 2013, and a close friend who was, like, basically Rachel's aunt couldn't believe that she would commit um, this horrible of a crime, that there was never any signs, not mean to any kid, not a bully, didn't torture animals, and it's been a long, well, then it said two years, this article is a little old, to come to grips with it. Um, she also said that, the person also said that, that Rachel, Sheila, and Skylar were inseparable. So, the the person actually does say that, that, that she noticed a little change in, um, in Rachel's behavior a couple months before the murder. Um, it doesn't specify, like, what, um, what kind of change, but they, um, but, but Rachel's family does, did release a public statement saying, we are truly sorry for the pain that she has caused Denise's family, and we know her actions are unforgivable and inexcusable. So, in 2014, nearly a year after, um, Rachel did, did so, uh, Sheila also pled guilty to murdering Skylar. So, Sheila and Skylar had actually been best friends since they were eight years old. Sheila didn't even knock on the door when she came over. She just came in, uh, says Skylar's father. So, yeah, Skylar and Sheila are childhood best friends. And um, Sheila was the daughter of divorced parents and had, quote, a wild personality. Um, She was set to, quote, Skylar's mother, she was always silly and doing crazy stuff, which I think is a little bit of a stereotype for kids of divorced parents. Um, so, so Rachel was originally friends with Sheila and transferred to another school, and um, Sheila and Rachel was also a family came from a family of divorced parents and from a religious family. And they all, you know, like, became became friends. Eventually, you know, 16-year-olds will find each other, and they will inevitably become friends. So when first, when Skylar first appear, disappeared, not appeared, um, there were actually, there were actually rumors around, I think, like, town or something that Skylar might have overdosed on heroin. Um, and, um, uh, I'm not sure how this person's position of, of it was, but um, Jessica Colbank, who was working on the case at the time, started having suspicions about one of the girls. Um, when she questioned Sheila Eddie for the first time, Eddie was completely blank on emotions, and there was absolutely nothing. It was like iced. It was like iced over. So, it wasn't until later when the truth came to surface, when the police officers asked Rachel, "Why did you guys kill Skylar?" And her answer was, we just didn't like her. Which is just, like, I don't understand how that works, really. And I think this is kind of similar. This kind of reminds me of a similar case that, um, I think Wine and Crime did a while ago, back in Click Crimes, I think. Or it wasn't Click Crimes, um, or... It might have been click crimes. I, I don't I don't remember, but um, listeners of them might remember um, about a case about um, two teenagers who were viewed as like kind of gothic 
and had a friend who was just kind of tailing along. And then they basically lured the friend to kill her. So, um, here's where sort of the social media aspect comes into it. Um, so after murdering Skylar, the friend of her, with a friend of her, um, with, with, with Rachel, uh, Sheila remained active on Twitter, um, posting regularly about her thoughts and day-to-day activities as authorities search for her missing friend. And she even pretended to feel grief over her friend's loss after her death. You know, things like, rest easy, Skylar, you'll always be my best friend. And she would, you know, post pictures with herself and Skylar. Um, and, yeah. Then, um, on March 13th, 2013, um, and, sorry, she posted those pictures on March 13th, 2013, when the police announced that the remains in, found in the Pennsylvania woods in January belonged to Skylar. So, it was crazy, um, so, yeah, Sheila would continue, um, like, posting and seemed kind of unfazed, she would just sit home, um, watching her favorite TV shows, and there is one really disturbing tweet, um, about her, about Sheila that she posted on March 30th. We really did go on three. Um, apparently referring to the fact that the two girls had planned to stab Skylar on the count of three. <laughs> so, and then Sheila was arrested outside of a restaurant on May 1st, 2013, and charged with first-degree murder. Which is insane. So, um... I'm skipping over a part of the article just because that's going to be more into the social media, which is what I'm going to go into next. So, Skylar's father said that Sheila was like a family to them. She was like a second daughter. She didn't even knock. You know, that kind of best friend. And, like, the, and um, also, Skylar's mother said that, like, like, she never broke curfew. She never, like, did anything like that like they were all really good kids who just seemingly committed this absolutely like horrible heinous crime um so so it must have been it it was a complete shock to Skylar's parents when the two um confessed so it does say in the article, no exp- explanation or punishment can bring peace to Skylar's parents. I, um, to quote her father, I can't imagine what she was thinking the, the night this happened. Um, why, you know, same thing everybody is else is asking. Why? Why would you kill me? So then, uh, after pleading guilty to first-degree murder, Sheila was sentenced to life in prison. Um... Um, Albion with the chance for parole on January 27th, 2014. And I'm going to be, um, including a picture of Sheila on my Instagram post that will be, um, at when I open dot podcast on Instagram. Um, and then on January 26th, um, 2014, uh, Rachel was sentenced to 30 years in prison after being pled guilty, after pleading guilty to second degree murder. And that was 
and that finally brought the end to the case that had shocked the community and the entire nation. So, while Sheila didn't... Was it Sheila? Yes. I'm learning these people's names, finally, after taking 30 minutes of notes on them. Um, so, while Sheila didn't apologize and didn't address the court, she reportedly said, and to end quote, the person that did that was not the real me. I became scared and scared, caught up in something that I did not want to do. So, uh, Skyler's family found that the fact that Eddie didn't, um, or sorry, that Sheila didn't offer an apology to be disrespectful. Um, and when asked to comment on um, Rachel's um, Rachel's statement. Um, or actually, no, the person who said the quote was actually Rachel, not Sheila. This article is old, and I apologize for me not reading things correctly, but I am tired. Um, so, in response to that, Skylar's father said she can take her apologies and sit on them. So, after, um, after Sheila was sentenced, um, Skylar's father said... Um, we are no longer a family. You can look into the eyes of those who are responsible, but you can never know what they heard as they were taking her life. So, another thing that actually said that, um, that Skylar's death actually helped change the law, similar to how Casey Anthony's death changed the law, too. You should go listen to that episode as well. It's on my page. So, um... As her case became public attention, a bill was passed to change West Virginia state law in order to facilitate and speed up police interaction. Um, it now requires law enforcement to rely initial reports of any missing child to state police, regardless of the person is a runaway. So the new law is basically called Skyler's Law, and um, when a child goes missing, every minute can save a life. So to quote... Um, some, ugh, I'm not going to pronounce this person name, sorry, sorry, someone who championed the law. We need to get it out there right away and working and, to, and be working to search for whatever child might be missing. It, an Amber Alert probably wouldn't have saved Skylar, but as her father stated, the hope is that um, it may help someone else down the road. So, the last um, comment on the case aspect of itself is that Rachel and Sheila are actually still in jail. So they are still serving. They're, they're currently serving their sentence at a correctional center in West Virginia. And um, I don't remember the, the, the year that this article was cited, but um, they are, or um, sorry, uh, Rachel should be eligible for parole in 2024, which is in three years, and um, and Rachel will be eligible for parole in 2029. So Sheila's um, parole is actually coming up in like three years, give or take, which is um, absolutely insane. So, um, so as again, um, this has been covered in uh, several books and TVs, TV shows, um, 
And to quote a journalist who was an author of a book um, called Pretty Little Killers, The Truth Behind the Savage Mean Savage Murder of Skylar Nace says, I don't think there was justice in this case. I think that, that they got the best they could get, could get, all things considered, but you can't have justice once a teenager is dead. So, um, so while Sheila obviously isn't active on Twitter because she's, you know, in jail, um, her feed is actually still visible to the public. I have personally not looked into it because I feel like I'm already, the NSA is kind of probably already like, what is this person Googling anyway? Um, so apparently you can, like, still see the tweets, which is, um, and specifically one of her tweets this article talks about is, no one on this earth can handle me, and Rachel, if you think you can, you're wrong. Um, that's just, like, absolutely horrifying to hear, and, um, it's scary, like, but, yeah, that is the case aspect. I'm now going to be moving into the social media aspect that I kind of already um, touched on. But I got some things to say about the, you know, like, specific tweets and things like that. So, 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 in the cases that I have researched so far, there's honestly not that many, like, tweets or, like, texts. Well, there are a couple texts or, like, messages surrounding a lot of cases and um sure um more recently there was an incident not really incident there is a um thing on tiktok you can look it up i believe that the um the person's name is claire miller um but she had a tiktok account and then um she uh, committed a crime, and it was instantly deleted, which, um, makes me wonder why Skylar Niece's account hasn't been deleted. Again, please don't email me if it has been deleted. I don't have time to look up Twitter right now because I have other things to do, and this is a quick kind of recording, but, but, yeah, so I'm going to, this is another, um, quote from the article, kind of, so, the most controversial aspect about the tragic death is the role of Twitter. So, they've all been, like, very, like, um, um, have been all very, like, active on Twitter. And a journalist actually said that the lack of in-person interaction might hinder a child's development. Um, and empathy develops when we receive cues from in-person interaction. You say something mean to someone, you see her cry, you feel bad. Technology can abstract, can obstruct empathy's development and foster detachment. So, especially in the age of COVID, I know if there are any parents out there who are worried that your kids aren't getting enough, like, interaction and stuff, like, we're still in a pandemic. I don't think you should really force your child to interact in person with people saying that there is still a pandemic going on and people are getting vaccinated. I have myself have already been vaccinated. I got my first dose, I think, like, about a week ago. Um, but, you know, sometimes technology can help us build further friendships and things like that. And also, you know, FaceTime exists. You can see someone, you can talk to someone in person like that. So, that's just my little rant. Anyway, so, so again, as Skylar, um, 
tweeted on the earlier tweet, um, you doing shit like this is why I will never completely trust you. And apparently that it's likely, according to this article, that they have gotten that Sheila and Skylar were fighting a lot, according to a unknown classmate. So, yeah, that's kind of how the effect of the internet had on this case. And I know that there are plenty of other um, cases that cover more media, <laughs> things like this. But um, that's kind of the role that social media had in this. Um, I personally don't know many... Um, I, I honestly don't know many, like, teenagers my age that have Twitter. I mean, I personally do have a, I do have a Twitter for my podcast, because that's just, in the age of COVID, all I can really do is just, you know, post about, like, you know, things about my, um, about my podcast, and that's how I can get myself more out there to get more listeners and more plays. And I just realized that at the beginning of this episode, I forgot to thank my regular listeners again for now over 200 plays. Um, thank you so much. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's basically the role that media that media played in this. We're going to talk a little more. Yeah, we're going to talk a little more about how like television portray this because there have been a lot of portrayals and if I don't and I'm going to be very vaguely discussing specific tv shows um you'll see it's actually gonna be the first thing that I discuss next we're gonna flow right into that all right as I said we are going to flow directly into the Tate exposes how much true crime shows they have exactly watched in life so in a lot of shows, there are, um, a lot of different, like, portrayals of how, um, more specifically female friendships can turn deadly, which, um, first of all, is not the case in real life that often, except, you know, obviously this case, but in my personal experience, it's almost never, you know, that I don't think I've ever fantasized about murdering any of my friends. I hope that my friends haven't fantasized about killing me that would just be really sad for um you know like both of us but anyway so on on a plethora of crime shows including law and order svu um just trails off after one um (laughs) sorry um and also um in castle um which is an older i don't know if I don't know if it really would count as an older crime show, but I vaguely remember this being kind of a thing in Law and Order SVU, especially, um, I think there's a specific episode called Mean. Again, I don't feel like looking this up right now. I could be wrong, but Law and Order SVU definitely has, um, talked about this before. Um, and also more in the episode that I remember most from Castle... I believe that the episode was called, um, uh, Sounds Like Teen Spirit, or, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, something like that, um, where, like, friends conspired, or a friend conspired to kill another one of their friends, which is how the TV shows have kind of represented it, and I'm sure that there's plenty other 
ways. I don't think Bones has, but for some reason I feel like they have. But again, I could be wrong. It has been a while since I watched Bones. And yeah, now we're going to get into the more, um, like, kind of official-ish. So, on May May 31st, 2013, um, Anderson Cooper covered uh, Skyler's murder. And then on March 7th, 2014, Dateline um, NBC, which I've only seen commercials for, um, um, aired an episode called Something Wicked, which was basically Skyler's murder. And then on March 10th, 2014, Dr. Phil, sorry, I'm not a huge fan of, I am not a huge fan of, um, of Dr. Phil personally, but that's just my own personal opinion, um, called Best Friends Betrayal. Um, and then on April 14th, or April 12th, 2014, Lifetime aired Death Click, a fictional drama inspired by the story of Skylar's murder. Um, and then on July 18th, 2014, NBC's 2020, which I have not watched this episode, but I have watched episodes of 2020 before, um, they covered Skylar's story in an episode called Unfriended. Um, and then on October 22nd, 2014, LMN, I don't know what that is, show, I Killed My BFF. What is wrong with, hold on a minute, I'm looking at this right now. It is Lifetime Movies. Okay. Yeah, um, okay, I'm not gonna question that right now. I don't, I'll think about that when I'm going to sleep tonight. Um, basically covered Skylar's story in an episode called, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, Real Life Heathers. If you are not familiar with the Heather story, I might actually, I'm thinking of doing an episode about, like, how true crime is in, depicted in movies. If you want to, if you want me to, you can email me at the, um, at like the number one, I open podcast at gmail.com and co- comment true crime movies that I should like cover because that actually sounds like a cool episode now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and but for those who don't do not know what Heather's is, um, uh, it, it base I have time. Basically, there is this girl named Veronica Sawyer and she's kind of not very popular. Um, and she's a best friend who is even less popular named Martha Dunstock. Um, and, um, Veronica basically gets involved with the Heathers, which is Heather Duke, Heather Chandler, and Heather McNamara. McNamara. And, you know, the Heathers basically, basically just rule the school. There's, there's a musical out about them. You should watch that. You should, you should listen to that. I personally love the I Say No added in for the UK version, um, and basically, Veronica has this new bad boyfriend named JD, um, and JD and Veronica basically kill Heather, one of the Heathers, I believe it's the one in red, Heather, one in red, 
Um, might be McNamara. I always got my Heathers confused. Um, but they also, um, yeah, I don't know if I'd really call that a real-life Heathers, but you know what? You do you, Lifetime movie. You do you. Um, and then, on, um, on November 14th, 2014, Investigation Discovery show See No Evil covered Skyler's case as well in an episode called Skyler Knees. Um, and the, it had actually, um, put together a real-life surveillance video of Skyler to piece together the last few hours of her life. Um, first-person interviews with her family, friends, and the investigators, um, along with limited dramatic recreation. And uh, this is a little more, um, uh, sorry. This is more current now, kind of. On March 26, 2016, um, a show called Copycat Killers covered Skylar's story in an episode titled Heathers. I don't know if these people just don't really know that Heathers isn't exactly like this case, or if they're just trying to market off the Heathers franchise, but personally, I don't really think that this case is like that, that alike to Heathers, like, I don't really get it, but, um, you know what, whatever gets the ratings up, I guess, I don't know what I'm saying at this point. Um, and then on August 7th, 2016, um, Snapped, which was one of the first crime shows that I watched. Not really crime shows, but yeah. They showed Skylar's story. Um, and then Investigation Discovery on October 28th, 2016, did another episode, um, called, did another episode called A Daughter Disappears on on an episode of a show called Suspicion. Um, and then, even more recently, well, um, July 20th, 2018, um, NBC showed Skylar's story on, um, Dateline, um, which I think this is just, like, a replay, um, on Skylar's story, um, called Something Wicked, as I said before. And then, um, on May 12th, 2019 um one of my like a true crime podcast that i've been listening to for a while i love these people so much um the generation y podcast told and review skylar's story on episode 227 titled skylar niece so um you all should totally go listen to that episode because it is very good um but yeah, those are basically how the portrayals in television went. As I said before, I think that there there are probably like more portrayals of this in media that I'm either not remembering or stuff like that. But yeah, I don't really like that the fact that they called it like real life Heathers or Heathers because as someone who has watched that movie a lot of times, I don't really think that it's that alike to Heather's. This this actually kind of reminds me of my first case, um, the Slenderman case, about the two friends who just killed their friend. Like, I mean, granted, it was under different circumstances, but I don't personally like them trying to sort of market off the Heather's franchise. But you know what? 
I guess whatever pays the bills. I don't know. I'm not getting paid to do this, so I don't know what I'm saying. But, yeah, those are basically the main portrayals of the media that I could find. Um, a lot of just, like, news reports. I've watched news outlets cover this case. As I said before, I've watched 2020 on it. <laughs> Whenever I say 2020, all I can think of is just how crazy this last year has been. Um, and keep on thinking, like, hey, that's actually a pretty accurate name, 2020. Like, crazy, insane things happening. Um, but, yep, yeah, uh, that's basically, um, I think that's all the betrayals that I can think of. But, let me look back in my notes. Alright, so, um, a friend of mine just sent me this article because I told him that I was covering the Skyler Nice case. And this has nothing to do with the portrayals of media. This could have been put into the case. But I just wanted to read this article that, um, makes me a little bit confused. Um, I don't know how corroborated this is, so it could be incorrect. But, it basically just talks about, um... This is the title of the article. It's from the Daily Mail. It'll be in my resources. Did two teen killers stab their friend to death because they saw them have sex? Victim, 16, alluded on Twitter to a lesbian thrice during a sleepover before she was lured in the woods and slain to death. So, basically, um, there was like a dark secret mentioned somewhere in the case that, like, Skylar allegedly wrote in her diary that during a sleepover at her house, she walked in on Sheila and Rachel having sex together. And one of the quotes, one of the tweets that I can now see on this article, um, that was posted on, um, June 9th, 2012, just know I know, which I am now looking at this case in a different light, like, in real time, as in March, the, like, the same time that I'm literally recording this episode. Sorry if this is a little discombobulated, but I've had a crazy week. My first, um, shot of caffeine, caffeine, no, vaccine, it kind of threw me through a loop for a loop mentally, but, yeah, that's basically, like, um, also, apparently, um, like, on another, on another tweet, um, I cannot see the time, the date on this, but, um, I, Skylar said, I tell the school all, all, I tell the whole school all the everyone, which is a lot, hashtag, if I could get away with it, so, who knows, maybe Skylar was keeping the secret that Rachel and Sheila were having like, a sexual relationship, um, and, yeah, um, like, I didn't, I was not expecting, I'm sorry, I was not expecting this, like, whatsoever, um, so, there is something that the, that Skylar, that Skylar's mother did say, that her friend, her daughter has many gay and lesbian friends, that she would not have taunted someone because of their sexual preference, um, as someone who's a member of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community, I don't really, um, honestly know 
like what to think of this relation of this i don't want to say that like skylar was like <laughs> i don't know um but i did just find this tweet from sheila um that was on january 8th 2013 this timeline is so messed up uh Staying home on Tuesday is the best because Law & Order SVU is on all day. I don't want to sympathize with her. I don't want to say, like, yes, I agree, it is the best because, you know, like, I... I don't want to say something like that. But, like... I mean, who knows? Maybe, like, it's... I can't... I can't exactly call up Sheila and Rachel and just be like, hey, I can't exactly go down to where they're being held and be like, um, hi, are you in a lesbian relationship with, with, uh, with Rachel or with Sheila? They, they would probably tell me to get out. And also, if you want to ask someone's sexual orientation, first of all, probably none of your business. Second of all, have them tell you, not you be like, Oh, so what's your orientation? Because that's just a little... That, that's crossing boundaries no matter what. If your friends are not, they will tell you when they are comfortable. And, yeah, don't be homophobic, maybe. I don't really know what to think of these tweets or of this news article at all. Again, I was literally... I, I googled, like, Skylar Niece portrayals in media, and that was, like, the first thing that popped up. And my eye saw secret lesbian relationship, and I went, ooh, what's this? Because I don't know why. It was just the first thing that popped up, okay? But, yeah, who knows? Maybe they could have been. Maybe this was just, they just didn't like her. Maybe they thought that she was, like, too bubbly and, like, too happy and, I don't know. Things like that. But, yeah, that's basically the ends of the portrayal. Um... In media, you should go listen to Generation Y podcast because they are amazing. So, we have now hit the end of the episode. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for sticking around and hearing me um, totally remember everything about this case from my notes. Not at all. But, as I said, my sources will be in the, um, be in the description along with the link about the George Floyd trial and what's going to happen next. So, yeah, before I do, like, my ending send-off thing with my media, I wanted to shout out a podcast real fast that just happened today. Um, I'd like to do a quick shout-out to, um, not forgetting their name, um, to Weird Distractions Podcast, who has named my podcast Podcast of the Week, um, uh, thank you so much. I don't think you understand how much I almost sobbed over that. Um, but yeah, you should also go listen to 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 weird <laughs> to weird distractions. Uh, they cover really interesting cases and have one of the coolest intro music songs that I've ever heard in my entire life. Way better than mine, which is literally just really basic. But yeah, we have now reached the end of the episode. Um. If you'd like to follow me for more, you can um, you can follow me at Twitter, on Twitter um, at when I open open dot pod, Instagram at when I open dot podcast, and if you have a case suggestion or if you are a podcast that is listening to this, um, 
I am looking into collaborations. Um, or if you have a case suggestion, um, you can email me at the number one iopenpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on TikTok at when I open pod. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to this case. Um, this was, as I said, this was a last minute case, but I think it was really interesting. Um, there is no scary tales next week, but please be prepared for my next episode because it is like, I know that I've said a lot, like this is the case that got me into true crime. This is actually the case that got me into true crime. I've been following this case for a very, very, very long time. And, um, the person who is connected to this case mostly is one of my, I want to say she's one of my inspirations, but she is really good at what she does. What she does is bring awareness. And I'm going to be talking about, uh, about a very special case next week. I'm not going to reveal it a name, although I feel like I kind of already did in one of my past podcasts. But um, I have this weird thing with my podcast that if I record something important, my friends will be like, oh, I didn't know that happened. And um, even as a podcaster, I don't usually like listening to the sound of my own voice. Yes, I'm aware. It is very ironic. Um, But yeah, my friends will be like, oh, you like that's actually like really cool what you said in the last episode. And And then I'd be like. Can you be a little more specific? Because I don't remember anything past what I did. Like, I don't, I barely remember what I ate for lunch today. Um, so yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Um, the recent blast of support has been super cool. And yeah, remember to sleep with one eye open. <laughs>